Hello and welcome to Plant Powered Buddhist Podcast, where we are learning to turn our eating habits into a spiritual practice. I'm Sensei. I want to welcome you from wherever you're listening in the world. I also want to say a heartfelt thank you to all of my followers, my supporters, my clients, and my students. Without your support, I simply couldn't do what I do. I'm excited about today's episode, so with no further ado, let us begin. So, in this episode, we take up a well-known concept called winning. And if you've grown up in the West, this concept of winning is absolutely something quite familiar to you. Now, I can tell you that I'm no exception to that. And in fact, I'm going to share some interesting insights that I have about winning and how that has played a role in my life. And I want to start with just this notion of competition. Competition for me, for most of my life, has been a value. And you might see that winning and competition have a strong correlation. Now, how that concept of winning and competing or competition has evolved, I'll say a little bit about that in just a few moments. But first, I want to start off in the early years for me about the introduction to winning and what that means to be a winner and what that requires to win. Well, I can tell you that it started off quite innocently as a young boy, like many young boys. You have male cousins and friends that I would say it almost seems inherently part of the relationship is that you try to one up one each other. You try to one up one another. You try to win. You literally sit around and come up with what I would call at this point ridiculous competitions and ideas in ways in which to show that you are superior in one way or another. This is not just purely physical, but often starts with something that is physical. So I can give you some examples of some games that I'm sure parents were not aware that we were playing these types of games at school or out when we were playing on the playgrounds. One of those games is called suicide, or at least that's what we used to call it. Yes, suicide. How's that for an early introduction in life? Suicide. So this is a game where you find a wall. It could be the side of a building, uh, any large surface that is erect and tall enough to use one of those blue racquetballs. And what you would do is you get everyone who was crazy enough to play it. And that could at times just be five or six people. But I remember oftentimes there were times when there was 10 or 15 people. And so the way the game is played is that everyone has to put one hand behind your back, usually the hand that you're uh, least able to throw accurately with because you have to throw the ball. So I'm right-handed. I would put my left hand behind and someone else would choose which hand that they want to use to actually throw the ball. And so 
what would happen is whoever had the ball would throw the ball against the wall, but it has to hit the ground first, bounce once on the ground, then hit the wall, and wherever it ricochets off, someone has to try to catch that ball. And you can only catch it with one hand. So you get it? Throw the ball at the ground, it hits the ground, hits the wall, wherever it hits, and flies off in some direction. And the goal is to try to catch the ball with one hand. Now, that sounds harmless, right? <laughs> this is what makes it suicidal. Is that if you attempted to catch that ball, and for any reason you dropped it, then you had to run and touch the wall. You get it? Try to catch it. You don't catch it. You have to one run and touch the wall. Now, why would you have to run and touch the wall? Well, because everybody there playing in that game can punch and kick you, not in the face. We at least had that much sense. But from the neck down could punch and kick you until you reach the wall. Now, that's completely insane, isn't it? But it was a form of competition. And you kind of got props for playing the game. And winning in that case was either, in one case, always catching the ball so you never get hit. Or, if you did drop the ball, making it to that wall because you were shown no mercy. And I'm telling you, whether we were playing on the playground at school which we weren't supposed to be doing and people would get suspended if we got pl uh, caught playing this game. <laughs> but if we were playing after school or, you know, at a park or something like that, we literally would chase or you would be chased for 20, 30 yards away from the wall. And even though the game would continue, if you still wanted to play, every time you got close, a whole crowd of people would just chase you and start boom, 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 boom hitting you. Winning. Another game that we used to play, we had two versions of chicken. Uh, one was where you get on your bikes and you're about, let's say, maybe 10, 15 yards apart from each other. And you ride at full speed at each other to see who's going to veer off first. Right? So you're either going to have a head-on collision or someone at the last second or somewhere uh, before that, sometime before that, will veer off to another direction. And then that means you would win, and then like whoever else wanted to step in next, you would try to make everyone else a chicken, basically. <laughs> and as I'm saying this, and you know, I'm laughing and uh, at myself and at all of those individuals and all young men who, who have engaged in these types of uh, ridiculous forms of seeking to win but it does build in some kind of concept about winning and the types of props or accolades that you get from doing that and so we had many such games and other things could be as silly as you know who can you know drink this much water or this much soda at one time without you know without stopping just all kind of ridiculous things and so I wanted to just share with you how the concept, at least in the young boys world, or at least in the, the world that I grew up in, 
how the concept of winning is introduced at a very early age and usually related to some physical activity. So the next level up from just kind of the ridiculous shenanigans of young boys, dirt clawed fights and whatnot, would be sports, which I started playing at probably five or six years old. And so the sports that I enjoyed and played from six years old through high school was football. And I started off playing flag football. And as you know, football is a contact sport. And so my first year or two, I think I played flag football. And then from like eight years on, eight years old and on, it was all uh, tackle football with pads and et cetera. And in that environment, if you think that the games that I explained to you, like suicide and chicken were outrageous, take that and put it exponentially more on another level because the concept of winning is everything in team sports or in sports in general because there are people who play probably tennis or golf or other things like that but when you play a contact sport like football you're literally putting your body on the line and quite frankly, that of your teammates, meaning if you don't do what you're supposed to do, someone else can really get hurt. If I decide because I don't like you that I'm going to miss my blocking assignment, that I'm supposed to stop this person from getting to you. And I just say, well, you know, I don't really like this guy. I'm just going to let him come through and, you know, put their helmet in your spine. You know, people can get hurt. So I can recall a time where I tackled a person, the quarterback, and it wasn't my intention for this to happen, but, you know, his leg was broken. And I remember hearing that snap and I wasn't happy about that. Like, I just remember standing there looking and, you know, all my teammates were jumping on me and hitting me in my helmet. Yeah, yeah. You know, the whole you got him type thing. And I didn't feel good about that. I didn't mind hitting someone really hard and they can get up and walk away. Maybe they're a little woozy. That happened often. That happened to me. We call it getting your bell rung. So this notion of winning and putting everything on the line develops very early. And sports is one of those arenas where winning is all that really matters. And now when I say this in this way, I don't want you to think that I don't understand that there's other aspects of sports and team play that are extremely valuable because they are. And those experiences have served me in my life in a way that I can see for those who have never had that experience, the difference. I can see uh, just a kind of a different type of resilience, a different mindset towards work, towards relationships, towards whatever it is in life that a person is involved with. If you played any type of competitive sport in your life, I have to say that there is a kind of mental edge that is there that I don't see in those individuals. And I'm, it doesn't matter the gender because I talked to someone who used to be a semi-professional tennis player, a woman, and I remember asking her, so what are you thinking when you're about to serve the ball across the net? 
and you're looking at your opponent. And this, she's a very sweet person, very nice, uh, dainty, you might even say. Pretty tall, though, and athletic, you could tell, like a tennis player. And she said, I'm thinking that I'm going to ram this ball down her throat. And I thought, whoa. <laughs> you know, it just kind of threw me off because I just, I was used to hearing that kind of mindset often in the kind of male talk about sports and we play sports. Uh, but it just, in that moment, showed to me that this notion of winning and competing, um, for better or worse, creates a mindset that is distinctly different from those who don't have the experience. And not to say that one is better or not, but certainly different. So, in addition to football, winning came up in the category of Karate, martial arts for me. I've been practicing martial arts my whole life since I was a child. And I have continued to, to train and practice. But I remember having tournaments, fighting in tournaments, having the experience of being out there, which was much different from even the team experience. Because at least in the team, if things don't go a certain way, you can say, well, you know, so-and-so didn't execute their uh, responsibility correctly and therefore we had a breakdown and, you know, we lost or this or that happened. But when you play an individual sport or compete individually, it's a completely different thing because it's all on you. There's nowhere to hide. If you make a mistake, there's no one you can turn to and say, hey, you didn't do that. You can only look in the mirror. And that can be overwhelming for people. Uh, for me, it wasn't. It was actually quite liberating because I was like, you know, it's just me here and there's no one else to blame if it doesn't go the way that I would like to, to go, which is to win. Another area came up in uh, winning. This concept of winning comes up is academics and specifically, I would say, speech and debate. So in addition to football, martial arts, I competed in speech and debate from the age of, uh, gosh, probably, I would say, well, I'll say sixth grade all the way through college. Okay. Speech and debate was something for me that the competitive aspect, the winning argumentation, all of that was so exhilarating and that you could win money and prizes and trophies for all of these things was just an added benefit. And so winning was something to me that was just part of life or attempting to win. And with that also came losing, which is what I want to speak to next, is that when we think about winning, the truly binary mind that cannot see past left, right, up, down, north, south, when you think of winning, you automatically think of losing, right? And so when we think of this concept of winning, there's someone that must lose. And we call that person or those people losers or a loser. Now look at the subtle shift that's happening here. You go from some activity with an ultimate outcome that we are all trying to achieve called winning 
And in this process, someone must lose because how else is there, how are we to determine who's a winner when there's no one to beat? <laughs> Think about that. And so if there's someone to beat and I beat that person or you beat that person or that team or that whoever, fill in the blank, then there's a certain amount of respect that comes with that. And I saw that. I saw that in all the activities and ones that I haven't even mentioned to you that I engaged in that winning was at at the centerpiece of it all. I saw that when I won or my team won, the respect that came with that. Everything from, you know, whatever the pats on the back to like words of seeing you in a certain light. This was true in speech and debate. Oh, your eloquence, your argumentation was da 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 da. You know, you won best debater plus you won the tournament or etc. Right? All of these things are there. Or the way you executed that movement, that sidekick you put on that person that really put put them down on the ground. Right? All those things are at play and become a part of your persona. And again, this is all buttressed upon this concept of winning. So I want you to see how this kind of blossoms, if you will, or kind of grows and morphs into many other concepts that become convoluted with the winning. But if we're going to talk about the respect and the praise, then the opposite of that, the binary opposite of that, is humiliation and disregard. Humiliation and disregard. I remember being a child and watching uh, this sports show that used to come on all the time. And the announcer, as they were showing different athletes performing uh, their activity, part of the opening lines were something along the lines of the, the wonder of victory and the agony of defeat. <laughs> right. And so when you saw the, the, the part about being victorious, you know, you have the pumping fist, champagne shooting up the air, people kissing trophies, crying, all these type of things, right? That happens when people quote unquote win, at least in sports. And then the agony of defeat was someone who was going off a ski jump. It looked like kind of like when they do the Olympic jumping in, in the ski event, actually just completely biting the dust as it were. And so this other aspect of winning, this disregard, humiliation. And certainly I can say in all of the aspects of winning, one of the worst is this false sense of superiority that leads to behavior that you might not otherwise engage in. So for example... Some of the things that happen in football and other sports, team sports, would be uh, derogatory comments about you, which, you know, profane names uh, about you and your family members, your school, your team, uh, 
spitting on your uh, logo, all kinds of things, right? Just things that irritate you uh, because you already feel like you've lost and that at least in that moment, you're a loser. And so the bravado that comes with that, the humiliation that comes with that, it becomes the agony of defeat. Now, when this is internalized, we're moving now to an even deeper level here. This concept of winning and how much you experience it or don't starts to make you look at how you value yourself and not only how you value yourself, but how others value. Because face it, if people see you as a loser, they really don't want much to do with you. Who wants to be around a loser is what people say. Oh, that person's a loser. Or this team has lost more than they've won. And so this thing that we call value can increase or decrease depending upon how much you win or you lose. Ultimately, all of this leads to self-worth. And this is why I wanted to bring up this because in this culture, everything is about winning, how to win that husband, how to get the wife or get the girl, how to negotiate and win every time, how to become enlightened in three days, six pack abs in six days, right? And all of this is supposed to be possible. And all of this is supposed to be a form of winning. And if you're not winning, if you're not wealthy, if you're not ultra thin, all of these things that we say, if you don't own a home by this time or that time, if you're not earning this type of money, if you're not driving this type of car, you are certainly not winning. You are losing and you are worthless. That's the wrap. And I want to challenge that. I want you to challenge that. And I'm going to give you, in just a moment here, the ways in which I pulled myself out of that mindset of having to win. How can I win at not winning? Now, for some of you might say, hey, well, Sensei, I don't need any help with that because I lose Most of the time, I've got the losing thing down. Well, this is where you need to start and everyone needs to start is you have to get past first this binary winning means not losing. That there must be a winner and there must be a loser. And that either I'm a winner or a loser. Now, we saw these opposite sides of what happens when the concept of winning becomes a mindset that is unhealthy. So the the notion here of winning is more problematic than competing, which I still continue to do to this day, but over my lifetime, because of something, a seed that my mother planted in my mind at a very young age, and it wasn't really until probably 
my early 20s that something just went off in my head. I don't even know what sparked it. But she had said to me, never compete with other people. Even though I was playing sports and doing all these things, she saw me doing martial arts and football and speech and debate and all these things, lifeguard training, all these kind of things, really pushing myself to the max, trying to keep really good grades in school. But she said to me, don't compete with other people. Only compete with yourself. And then she went a step further I think to a place where many parents wouldn't want to go because some parents are probably nodding their head. Okay, that's a good thing to say. I can see how she would say that. But she kept it real. She said, don't try to compete with others because in one instance, you might be setting the bar too high and in another, you might be setting it too low. Ooh. You mean I'm not number one in everything, mom? (laughs) I can't be the greatest at everything? No, you can't, is what life says. But people have this understanding about being a winner, and they think that just because they can win at making money, that they can then advise you or someone else about relationships. And I've known plenty of people professionally who are, I would even say, close to being brilliant at what their profession is, and their personal life is absolutely undesirable, I'll say, to put it lightly, and shambles. So while you may be winning, quote unquote, at something in life, if you were to look at your full life, everything that you're engaged in, would that be true? And here's that first insight that you can help to unhinge yourself from any notion of at trying to win. So I racked up all these trophies and accolades and this, that, and the other. And I used to say to myself, one day, you know, I'm going to, you know, put all these trophies in a glass case and showcase what I had been doing in life. And during one of my moves, I don't know how it happened. But the three or four boxes that I had filled with all these trophies and plaques and certificate, I don't, I still to this day, I'm not sure what happened, but they're gone. And I just know that after a certain move that I was making from one location to another, I tried everything. I tried to check with the trucking company as what happened to these, these boxes, you know, like that is the monument to me. (laughs) Yes, I can speak to this. I had that kind of ego. I had that kind of uh, desire to always win and nothing else would be acceptable but winning. But that competitive development, that quality that can have a night side, I discovered the light side. And that's what I'm sharing with you today. And it starts with, it starts with understanding That once you go down this path of trying to be a winner, there are certain things that you should be aware of. And we've covered those. What can happen? I can't tell you how many times 
you can see a professional athlete do something amazing over years and years. It takes one injury for them to be forgotten in less than a month. It's like, who's next on the chart? Hey, so-and-so. Fletcher's out. Johnson, you're in. <laughs> right? And with the passage of time, you become just part of forgotten history. And it's true with people who are very wealthy today. We say, oh, so-and-so was on the Forbes list and this person is the richest person in the world or one of the richest people. They're on the billionaires list. They'll all be forgotten except for maybe some family members. But there are people in the world who had wealth beyond <laughs> what we call wealth today who control most of what was then known as a known world. Immense amount of wealth. What are their names? Who are they? Forgotten in time. Conquered many lands, created this, invented that. Yeah, yeah, you get an honorable mention, but it's not cooler than AI. <laughs> oh, this person wrote an immense amount of poetry that was beautiful. Okay, well, anime is better, <laughs> right? So my point is, is that whatever it is that you think you can achieve by winning is impermanent because for however long you believe that you're winning, sooner or later, you're going to experience the agony of defeat. But there is a way through this that wouldn't require you to be mired in this concept of winning, still competing, quote unquote, and not winning. So how does that happen? Let's move into that because that's what's really important. The first way for you to begin to win at not winning is to discover what your values are in life. Discover what your values are in life and make those values the criteria for your decisions, all decisions. You can't be a chameleon about this. And I've worked with many people. I tell them, look, those values sound lofty and beautiful and wonderful, but you're a chameleon, really. Because the moment this situation is that, then you're willing to compromise those values so that you can, in one case, maybe win. <laughs> well, I don't want to say that because, you know, I really want that promotion. And if I say this, like I could get fired or I could do that. So you suffer all types of indecency taking ulcer medications, drinking all the coffee and caffeine, going to your therapist or coming to see me, say, oh, I have this job and the boss is this and the demands are that. And it's, why don't you say something? You tell me that you value your family. I'm sure your family would rather have you around than just have a check. I'm sure your son or daughter, your spouse would rather have you around than not. So what really are your values? 
And is there a way that you can both keep this income and really live up to your values? And the answer is yes, but you have to know what those values are first. If you don't know what those values are, or if you're a chameleon, meaning that you're willing to change those values, readjust them, rearrange them for the context, then you're stuck in the realm of trying to win rather than winning at not trying to win. Second thing, adopt a discipline. Adopt a discipline. And what I mean is something that you are committed to in life, no matter what happens. Something that you are committed to. You are committed to in life, no matter what life brings you. For me, I'll give you an example. That has been my commitment to self-mastery. My commitment to my spiritual path. I don't care what relationship I'm in or not in, what kind of way that I'm earning my income or not earning income, what kind of social life is there or not there, what the weather is, geography, none of that trumps this one discipline that has kept me grounded throughout my entire life. And so I don't need to think about trying to win. I don't need to think about losing because there's something that I'm committed to that makes those concepts, winning and losing, secondary or irrelevant in my case. Because the version my understanding about spiritual development and what I'm here to do is beyond winning or losing. So I can have an experience. Yeah. I won that fill in the blank or, Oh, I didn't win that. And it's not experienced as such. Because nothing that I experience can increase me or diminish me. Listen to what I just said. Nothing I experience, not a thing, can increase me or decrease me. So winning, as I define it, is not winning not not winning winning is not winning nor is it not not winning and the only way you can get into that place is to transcend that through knowing your values and living those values and establishing a discipline in life that you are committed to beyond everything else now you may say that's in that's you can't do that because like I have many responsibilities, I have this, I have that. Look, I didn't say that it would be easy, but it's not as difficult as you think. And if you have some deeply rooted 
healthy values, it'll be a lot easier for you. But if you have no values, or alternatively, your values can just be shifted and blown with the wind based upon the whims of what's happening in your life, yeah, you're going to have a difficult time. And likewise, if you are having aversion to discipline, showing up, just showing up in life for something, It might be your family, it could be your health, it could be something that you show up that is healthy and not just for you. This is the third part. Whatever that discipline is must be tied to not just your own uh, self-benefit. It should benefit others. It should be healthy. This is how you win at not winning. It is not not to compete. It is not not to show up. It is not to create a false uh, definition in your mind that, oh, winning is not that important. No, it's to transcend it. And even if you think you're not competing, and I've had people have said, oh, yes, sensei, I'm beyond competing in life and this, that, and the other. That sounds wonderful. And I say, have you ever applied for a job? Well, yeah, of course. And did you have to have some type of experience, credentials for that, education? Would you try to say, for example, if you're an accountant, try to get a job as a nuclear physicist? Well, no way. And I say, well, why not? Well, I mean, I don't have the experience for that. Right. So you applied for a position that you feel like that you could win, that you could be hired for. (laughs) And that most likely in most times means that there is at least one other person and probably many other people who also wanted that job. So they went to school, they gave up the time, they did what they needed to do to get their CPA, whatever the case may be, and so did you. And so don't fool yourself into thinking that you're not competing. You are competing. You want something that other people also want. That's not problematic. What becomes problematic is when we become attached to the outcome. That's where the problem comes. And that's why I've shared this with you today. How to win at not winning. Establish your values. Adopt a discipline that you're committed to for life. And I know that sounds so heavy. When this culture is always telling you can win at this, you can win at that in two weeks and seven days or three days, one month. False promises. Don't go for it. There is another way. And that way is to win at not winning. And that concludes this episode of Plant Powered Buddhist Podcast. I want to thank you again for joining me today. I also want to quickly mention several ways in which you can support my work. One, wherever you're listening to this podcast or this episode right now, 
If there's the ability to leave a review or a five-star rating, I would definitely appreciate that. Secondly, if you'd like to learn more about my background, my books, the services that I offer, where my social media sites are, or you'd like to invite me to speak publicly, please visit plantpoweredbuddhist.com. You can do all of that there. Third, if you have a family member, a friend, or a colleague who you think would benefit from my content, please share this episode or my podcast with that person or those people. Lastly, in this episode that you just listened to, there is a clickable link. And if it's not clickable, you can cut and paste it into your browser. That will take you to a page where you can begin to support my work monetarily on a monthly basis for as little as $1 a month. If you could find it in your heart to do any of those things, I would deeply appreciate it. Until next time, peace and blessings.